Be a part of the Fredericton Freeze women's basketball team's $100 from 100 fundraising campaign. The Maritime Women's Basketball League team is seeking $100 from 100 businesses for their 2024 operating expenses. Email MWBA at outlook.com or fredertonfreeze.ca for details. It's a Fredericton treat on the north side and a proud supporter of the Late Scratches podcast, covering sports of all sorts in the Fredericton region. Background. Dixie Lee has been serving our loyal customers okay. for decades at 115 Gibson Street. Our staff is always ready to serve up your favorites at Dixie Lee for dine-in or takeout options. We know you have plenty of choices for food fuel, but we hope Dixie Lee is on your list. Call us at 455-8800 or better yet, come on in to Dixie Lee. Hi, and welcome to Late Scratches, where we cover local sports of all sorts. I'm Bill Gibson. I'm on the road without my usual co-host, Brad Janes. Uh, once again here, I'm in Sussex for the Dairytown Classic, uh, joined uh, by three fine gentlemen, Gil Jeffrey, Ron Harvey, and Peter McAleen, and uh, some pretty big names here in, uh, in Sussex in the basketball world. Um, it's been a couple weeks since we've had a podcast, and I'll, I'll explain that here just off the top. Uh, it's one of those things, sometimes life hands you some important things you need to prioritize, uh, over all other things, that was the case with me over the last uh, couple weeks. I do thank uh, friends, followers, uh, healthcare providers, all of those folks, and the sports community for the support uh, from my brother's recent passing. So thank you for that. Um, pretty pretty tough uh, couple weeks in, in my world, uh, but uh, I'm looking forward to being back on the mic and getting back into the swing of things here uh, this weekend at the Dairy Town. Um, and uh, just our last episode with Stephen Clark, um, sort of a um, kindred spirit, if you will, to uh, Late Scratches and his uh, Frederick newsletter. He's involved in a lot of things. Great to have Stephen on. Uh, so with that, let's get into some basketball talk. Um, let's start off the top, and I know, Peter, you and I were chatting about this a little bit. Um, Ky- Kylie Speedy, the UNB Reds women, recent milestone, 500 points. That's pretty great, but you then look down the bench just a little bit farther and you see Jada Vino who goes over 1,500 in her university career. How impressive is that 1,500 points? She's a very, very good player, defensively and offensively, and bringing the ball up to court. Nice player. Yeah, um, Jada, of course, started at Acadia. Um, Only one red has done it, 1,500 points, and that's Amanda Sharp has done that in in a Reds uniform. So that's a pretty big number, and, and Peter, you've got a pretty good connection there to the Reds women's team. I do, I do, yeah. Erin, yeah. my daughter, is head coach there now. It's, uh, she's real pleased to be in this position. So uh, we've been up a few times. Yeah, I've, I've seen you in the gym. I get there when my schedule allows. I'm at St. Thomas a lot for, uh, okay. for a lot of games there, but uh, right. um, was there certainly for the opening game. And the jacket was uh, pretty special. Oh, that, that, was, that had to be special for you. That was neat. Yeah. But I had to explain to a number of people that the 45 on it was not the year I was playing. And we're not quite at 45 here yet for the Dairytown. This is year 35. Right. That's amazing. <laughs> Crazy. Uh, when you started the tournament, how 35 years ago, how did that happen? What What was the impetus for that? Well, we, well uh, I'll start here. Maybe we just a bunch of guys thought we should get something going because we were traveling to tournaments. We say we can do as good as that, and we got involved. And we made a few points that we wanted to have good teams. That was a big thing. And uh, that's been a focus for, well, from 35 years. Has the format always been the same with six guys' teams and six girls, or was it no. a, an eight-team tournament at once? How, how has that evolved over time? It, the eight teams started uh, in 87, and we went to uh, 92. And out in the hallway one day, one of the teachers on staff here, Carolyn Mills, said, how come we don't have a girls' tournament? And uh, Ron and I, Ron had four daughters. I had uh, one coming up through. And we took it back to the committee, and it was like a unanimous uh, thing. So that's how we get down to uh, six and six. And uh, it, when we did that, we were the only tournament in Atlantic Canada that was doing 
all of that on one weekend. And part of the secret to the tournament that we have to keep people involved and sponsors in my mind is that uh, we go all week. We start with uh, what we call dairy dunkers and then we do what used to be mini under 11 now. We do middle school, we do JV teams, and then uh, be three years we just finished with the uh, Rob Costello alumni game. So then we get down to Thursday to uh, high school basketball. And it's a really nice format. It fits really well into three days. The you know you get two two round robin games, and then you're right into right into playoffs. It's you know you don't have to play forever in the in the round robin, and then. You know, I've, I've been at some tournaments that are eight and eight, uh, and that's it's a busy few days. Um, I think it makes it really nice, uh, the six and six. We never liked the uh, eight-team format, uh, even though we were running it, because once you lost, you're on the loser's side, so you had no right. chance of winning. Right. This way, you can lose a game, still get possibly into a crossover, and uh, get to the championship. So. And it really helped, I thought, uh, with the middle school hooked on with us, and so we could use the yes. situation we have there now. Yeah, so two, two gyms in, in play, uh, yeah. the one here at the high school where we're, where we're recording today. Uh, thanks to the principal for allowing us to use, use our office here at lunchtime uh, to get in the, get in the podcast. Yeah. And, of course, the middle school is just, just pretty much across the parking lot, so yeah. to speak. I think uh, that's uh, one of the one of the main reasons it was became successful was we had that other gym and uh, we couldn't run we couldn't run the program without two gyms and so and being the proximity and everything it just worked out really really well and having good people over there that were when Hans Lamons before his tragic accident he was very 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 involved in one of our main keys for over there and it just it seemed to work really really good together it, it just worked good so you've talked about community involvement. I know you've got a lot of sponsors for this. Uh, my understanding is you're one of the few high school basketball tournaments that doesn't charge an entrance fee. Is that true? That is, that is correct. Uh, when we first started, we charged, uh, or we paid, we didn't charge, we paid $100 to each team to go towards their room. But we have never charged an entry fee. Uh, in fact, the uh, two donors who came on, uh, Milk uh, Marketing Board at the time and Pizza Delight put up X number of dollars. We have only increased their major sponsorship to the new sponsors by $50. Uh, we have uh, 30 uh, sponsors this year between bronze, silver, gold, and major. That's, that's an impressive number of sponsors in any tournament and I know um, the world doesn't run without sponsors, and certainly it, it, it isn't a um, you know it isn't a tournament uh, without entry fees without without sponsors. Um, so how competitive is it to get in here? I'm, I'm, I have to guess that there's a ton of teams that want to come to this tournament. One because of the tournament, and two, it's it's a tournament you don't have to pay to enter. Well, teams always uh, are trying to get in. Uh, basically, Mark Fleming for the past number of years looks at where teams finished the previous year, what their lineup looks like, and tries to get a feel from the coaches around the area as to who's going to be strong in each of the areas. And um, I remember back, uh, it would be a long while ago, that we brought Grand Manan one year, and somebody said, Grand Manan? Well, as it turned out, Grand Manan beat Fredericton High in the first game. And that just sort of set the tone for the rest of the weekend because nobody was beating Fredericton High at that time. Um, and the, the other thing that, uh, that we said was we wanted to be first class and we wanted uh, to bring the best basketball. So if you go out in the gym, you'll not see Sussex teams other than four years, two girls, two boys that have won the tournament it's to bring good basketball for the community so they don't have to travel somewhere else to uh, get good basketball yeah and, and there's an impressive banner on the wall out there that i was looking at just a, just a short time ago that lists all the different schools that have won it on the guys and the girls side and it's a tremendous list other other than 
you know, a, a streak, uh, sort of in the early days of the tournament where Frederick and I won a bunch in a row. Repeat champions are pretty rare here. Yeah. I think that's a goes right back to what Pete said originally that one of the one of the mission statements of the of the tournament was to make sure we had competitive basketball. It's easy to set a tournament up where Sussex will be in the final every time, or another team will. You know, you can bring in certain teams that you know. You know, certain anybody can beat anybody sometimes, but you sort of know what's going on. But that was not the philosophy. The philosophy was good basketball, competitive basketball for our teams, because you only get better playing better people. So. And how important you've you've talked about community. How important is this tournament to the community? It obviously it draws in um, ten teams from out of town, so that's got to be good for business. Uh, outside of the the business world and and the sponsors, and we've talked about them because they're they're pretty important. Um, how is it? How important is it for the community to bring people in in the in the wintertime? Well, in so far this week on uh, Monday night, we were like. Uh, $50 short of what we did last week or last year and the two nights uh, are like pretty comparable Monday night was a terrible night with the uh, storm but so f from a spectator standpoint we're pretty well right on line with where we were a year ago and we're expecting big crowds good that's that's good um the other thing when I talk about big crowds, it's $20 for an adult pass for the whole tournament. We've been at $20 for I don't know how long. <laughs> like, we, we don't get into a situation where we need money, we're going to jack the prices. We want people in the gym, and uh, as cheap as we can put them in, that's what we're doing. Yeah, that, that's, uh, that's incredible to, to have it like that. I know I've been to... JV high school tournaments just this year where it's been $10 a day to, to get into the tournament and yeah. and and you know it's like okay I'll pay that but it's you know I'm really only gonna see a couple games um, but the thing I, I'd like to throw out here is that we've from the day one started doing different things through each year the dance we have for the kids and, and so on and so forth and the thing that really makes them is the number of people that help out with the tournament because we said we couldn't have two or three people do everything. Right. And uh, uh, it's been a real success that way. But you also have consistency here in, in guys like Gail, who have been around doing this for a long time. I know some of the high school tournaments, it's, you know, from year to year, oh, the, par yeah. the parents change, and they carry a lot of the weight. But when you have consistency with the team here, of, you know, both Ron and Gail and, yeah. and Peter, I know you've, you've uh, helped out for a large number of years. Um, that has to help a lot. And I know from the coaching point of view, it's nice to concentrate on the games you have coming up and not have to say, well, I've got to go do this, I've got to go do that. And you know, it's going to be done. I remember really when we started this, I mean, and, and Gail is the one that's been, I mean, I know Pete's involved some, I'm, I haven't been involved as much in the last few years. Gail has carried the, uh, the original group of us that started, Gail's been You've never stopped, so you know. And uh, but he's even when we first started, though. I remember going to Pete and making the, the comment, "Pete, we should have a tournament." And he says, "Well, look, I'm busy as a coach. You guys want to get something going? Let's get something going." But that can't be just on the coach to sit here and do something, because maybe it was almost a selfish thing to start the tournament because we all wanted to see good basketball. But he knew that he had great teams, and you, you can't do it. The coach just doesn't have time. You know, and that's where Gail, Gail was the vice principal back then at the time. Mr. Reeker, Don Reeker was the principal, and they were so supportive when we started because, you know, like the, the support we got to start the tournament from the school, from the administration, and from the sponsorship, like Gail said, with the milk marketing board and Pizza Delight, and then other people have been on board. But the thing about it was the school was really into it, really. I mean, Mr. Reeker and Gail, and Gail wasn't a basketball person, by the way. When we started this, this guy was all hockey, and Sussex was a hockey town and pretty well until Pete moved here. So, I mean, uh, I moved here after Peter did, a year after. I think you moved in 76. 76 you moved here in Sussex? 75. 75. I came in 77. So we were basketball junkies from our communities. I'm from Petty Kodiak, Pete's from McAdam. And uh, so we just were talking about it one day, and he said, well, I don't have time to do it. He stepped up, Gail stepped up, and uh, he's been really involved. Gail's 
been the workhorse for many, many, many years. Um, yeah, I, what, you, you kind of funny look on my face there when you said Sussex as a hockey town because in my lifetime it's been a basketball town. It, it's it, it really has, and I never think of, of Sussex as a hockey town. In fact, I don't even think even think I could uh, name other than Mike Eagles as a player. Uh, obviously, out of out of Sussex, I don't think I could name the Sussex hockey team's nickname. The Sussex what? I have no idea what, what that would be. I can do that for a lot of other, other towns and places, but I can't for Sussex. So that's how much, to me, Sussex is a, is a basketball town. And much like Miramichi, where you know was up for Basketball Day on the River, and that was a great day. Gail, you were up, up for that as well. Uh, Woodstock, they're, they're the three outside of you know the big cities that come to mind. Sussex, Woodstock, and, and Miramichi as the basketball hotspots. Carlton North. Car Carlton North, yeah, I kind of lumped that in with Woodstock. I know yeah. the Carlton North people <laughs> will hate me for saying that, but Carlton, <laughs> Carlton County, Carlton County is yeah. in general, you know, Heartland, um, Southern Victoria, uh, all of those schools up there, they just seem to take turns of who's got the best team. Um, and some great tournaments, Potato Barrel and the, the Thunder Valley Classic, just, just classics. Uh, the timing of this tournament, though, as well, being the last one sort of right before playoffs. I think this adds a little extra here, yes? Oh, for sure. This, this was uh, part of the plan when we started so that, uh, and again, this was with all of Peter's help and knowledge because uh, it gave people a chance for their final warm-up before they went into playdowns. And uh, other than the snow we get every year, you know, it's gone off quite well. But we, we started out, it didn't, it didn't start out, we started it in December before we did it before March break, or before Christmas break, originally for the first couple of years, and then it's moved to here, and it's the same as all those things that Gail were talking about, like the Dairy Dunkers, and those have all been added as we moved along, so the tournament has progressed really good from that first start to where it's at now, and it's just, seems to me it's getting bigger. So. The, the other thing on the Dairy Dunkers uh, and U11 night is uh, for... I'd have to go back and check how many years, but all the money that comes in that night goes to the Sussex Sharing Club. So money and food uh, donations. So I made the presentation on uh, Tuesday to them, and like they couldn't have been happier, and they wanted to know how they could advertise next year, and uh, like r really helpful down there. So uh, that that's another part that we've added to it over over the years. And that was a cash donation of over seven hundred dollars, wasn't it? Yeah, it was seven thirty-four. Seven hundred thirty-four dollars. Eighty-five cents. Plus a bunch of foods. <laughs> <laughs> so that's awesome. Yeah, that's uh, that is awesome, and it's great to see giving back to the community, and that's a great thing for the participants to know that happens oh, that are sure. involved in this to help them grow as people, because that that's part yeah. about playing varsity sports is not just growing your skills in that sport, but also growing as a person. You learn how to deal with so many things through sport. I, I get a little chuckle out of what you mentioned about Mike Eagles, because when I came here, he was in, well, high school or junior high, something like that. And I almost got him into a basketball situation. He, he was a good player, better than anybody I had on the team, really. <laughs> <laughs> But he stayed with hockey, which he did quite well in. Yeah. He, he, did okay there. he did okay there, yeah. And uh, yeah, he just recently uh, moved on as athletic director yeah, at St. Thomas and uh, new athletic director in there. And, and lots, of, uh, lots of fun stuff happening uh, with the Tommies, uh, for sure, uh, going on there. New recruit yesterday on the women's uh, side. I, I saw that, a new, new recruit. Uh, I haven't seen a lot of background on that recruit yet, other than what was in the story. But uh, Coming from right there. Yeah, uh, always good to see the kids that want to come east and, and play in the east. Um, and good to see the east getting respect at both the ACAA and whatever that weird formula is they use in <laughs> U-sport. Um, it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a bit of a head-scratcher, even for a science-scratcher, me would be like myself, to, to look at that formula and think, okay, well, at least there's something going into the rankings here other than someone's opinion. But, uh, um, yeah, it's, it's great to see the Atlantic schools uh, participate there. And there have been some tremendous players from right here in Sussex go on to great careers uh, post-secondary 
you know, we've touched on a, on a couple in our conversations, uh, but who, who have been some of the, the great Sussex players that, that have moved on? I know, I think about Alyssa Jeffrey right now in playing with Stu, uh, for, sure, uh, for sure there, Reese Baxendale is out injured with the Reds, uh, Coach Madeline Belding with the Reds uh, from here as well, of course Aaron, who, who we mentioned, um, just that's just on the women's side, uh, Mathis Muscroft uh, on the UMB Reds men. Mm -hmm. Uh, he was probably the best high school player in the province last year, at least that I saw. I'm sure <laughs> nobody here would probably argue with that. Um, and just a string of great players through Sussex. And of course, we can't forget if you go back to 1990 and John Ryan, his three years in high school were probably the most outstanding on the boys' side for sure, uh, where he ended up by going on playing on the national program. Uh, yeah, there's been some good uh, good players come out of here, and it's nice to be able to t uh, talk to the kids and say, you know, these are your opportunities, and, uh, you know, you pick where you want to go. Uh, everybody gets an interview, and you go from there. Angelia Krelock. Angelia Krelock played in Europe. Yeah, yeah. that's another, another great name. Mm -hmm. um, are those either the current players or the past players, do they come back often? Oh, oh yeah, they do. I, I hear from them all the time. Angelia uh, lives in town now, uh, works in Fredericton, and she coaches with uh, the U9 team, I think it is. So, yeah, she's, uh, she puts quite a bit into it. John was our guest speaker last year uh, at the... Uh, we did away with the banquet last year and went with guest speaker and a skills competition. The banquet coming out of COVID seemed to have run its uh, yeah. course. So uh, the kids really get into the skills competition. The coaches, uh, well, my kids don't want to be serious. And then somebody else, well, my kids really want to be serious. Well, let's let them work it out on the court. Yeah. And... Uh, that's that's what happened last year, and all ready to go with it again this year. So, I think um, a couple of other things that uh, I would like to mention: the shooting in Fredericton in the uh, August of 2018 was uh, a real downer for the people of Sussex and the kids who went to school with him and graduated in '91. So, <coughs> in that spring, we, we did the, uh, with the police uh, from Fredericton and did up a real big uh, promotion in opening ceremonies and the Costello family. Dolores is a great supporter. Um, they do a $500 scholarship uh, uh, here for a graduating uh, student. My granddaughter was lucky enough to win the first one. Uh, and then uh, we've carried on the uh, alumni game, but we also named the Sonic Award player in Rob's name for the type of individual that uh, puts their most out on the court, is always a great teammate, great in the dressing room, uh, may not have the most talent, but uh, works hard and... Uh, he certainly fit all of those uh, situations. And the other, of course, was in 2020, which we pulled a complete surprise on Peter and uh, had his uh, sister and Aaron fly in. And we renamed the gym or named the gym the Peter McAleenan Gymnasium. And Peter will have to talk about that night. Well, it was a big surprise for me. And uh, I had no idea. These guys, they'd all say, I know he knows, I know he knows. I didn't know. And uh, then it came out, and my sister came out, and Aaron and Tim. Uh, it's quite a surprise. And uh, when we had problems with uh, getting teams coming into the gym because of the shutdown COVID thing, people said, well, it's your gym, Peter McLean gym, <laughs> open the doors. But didn't didn't fly that way though. No, um, no. that's got to feel pretty neat to have the the people out of the community 
um, you know, think enough about you to name the gym after you. Oh, for sure, for sure. A little embarrassing at times, but I'm quite uh, pleased with it. I, I'm, I'm sure, and uh, certainly the legacy is second to none in New Brunswick. I mean, you look at uh, you know the the high school female player of the year award. Uh, yeah. You know your last name uh, on that. Yeah. Um, your success here, Aaron's success nationally and at UNB this year, um, pretty fitting if you if you you know you ask me, uh, guy outside of Sussex, but you're the name everybody thinks of in, in Sussex basketball. That's great. Appreciate um, that. And we've been trying, you know, for sure to get to get Aaron on our, our podcast, and I think you've just jumped the ladder on her here to, to get on, get on first. I know uh, <laughs> the schedules haven't quite lined up, of course, with her busy practice schedule and the schedule that Brad and I keep and all the things that we're involved in. I uh, just haven't been able to make that one happen yet. I'm sure we will, hopefully, in the near future. But uh, you, you can send her a message now and say, that, yeah. "Hey, you're on. You've been on the podcast." Yeah, yeah I will. Um, let's talk a little bit about high school basketball in the province in general. Uh, we're coming into playoff times. Gail, I know you're involved as well in NB Hoop News, which has the, the scores and the rankings and uh, the playoff scenario and, and all of that. How does NB Hoop News uh, sort of work? I know from a podcast perspective, getting scores and results for just the stuff in Fredericton can be really tough. How do you pull that off for something across the province? And how do you deal with what I'm sure is a lot of feedback by times on saying, hey, why is my team ranked seventh when we really should be sixth? Well, um, uh, Paul Butler from uh, KV actually does the NB Hoop News. I do, I do the emailing uh, list and get the scores coming in. And I simply transfer them back out to whether it's uh, – uh, JV boys or girls. The uh, hardest job I have is getting scores from everybody, <laughs> uh, and that's always been a challenge. Uh, but I have been doing it for, I think, somewhere's early 2000. And, uh, right about when email was invented. Right, right about when email <laughs> was invented, yeah. Uh, we were in Fredericton at a... At a uh, basketball gathering and I had come up with the idea and uh, it was passed uh, as a motion and I think the first year we had 35 and I would guess now that I have well I have to divide them into six different uh, lists so we're in the 300 uh, people who participate in it um, as far as who is strong and, and that that really comes out of uh, NB Hoop News, and okay. he has a board or group that uh, helps him with that. I know Jimmy Waters is, is okay. involved, so yeah. Yeah, I thought you were uh, thought you were involved in that one as well, but it's just uh, just the email there. Uh, so some strong teams here this weekend. Let's talk a little bit about the teams that are here. Well, I heard last week that. Uh, yeah, just as we're ready, uh, Bray Boff and NDL are just pulling in. They arrived last night. Uh, the two teams coming out of uh, Nova Scotia, uh, Millwood and C.P. Allen, are supposedly very, very, very strong. And I understand uh, at least one of them has beat KV this year. And... I know when we were looking at the beginning of the year, we looked at KV as probably being one of the strongest in the province on the boys' side. So uh, on the girls' side, I would probably say it's open. Um, there's probably three teams that are up there and three that we don't know a lot about. But uh, that was a case as well uh, in inviting teams uh, Matthew Martin, that will be their first time ever at this tournament. And uh, they were uh, overly excited when we, uh, when we asked them if they'd like to uh, come. So along with the two French teams here, it gives us another uh, sort of spreading so people can converse with one another because the teams that come out of Quebec, I'm sure at times, feel, you know, off to the side uh, type of thing. 
although most of our kids will be able to speak uh, French with them. But yeah, it's uh, it should be great. Right, right. <laughs> I want to see both games this afternoon to start off with because I'm not sure who the winner is. Well, and, and that's the way it should be in a tournament. And of course, by the time most folks listen to this, it'll yes. be it'll be already those games are already been played, and people will know what the results were. Uh, but uh, you know, pretty pretty incredible. Uh, even to see, you know, I look at Matthew Martin, and it wasn't that long ago. That's a volleyball school, not a basketball yeah. school, in, in my mind. Uh, but they have really been building. Over the years, they've been getting better and better um, in the basketball world. Madeline Belding gave me the uh, kind of the up and up on them because they had five of their kids that were on uh, provincial team last year, different provincial teams. And uh, so we thought that's a good place to go. If they've got five kids that play provincial ball, and uh, it will give them something to shoot for and work towards. And who knows when you're on the court, who will win? Well, that's, uh, that's the thing, and I, I do know C.P. Allen is strong. A uh, number of kids there are, 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 are really strong. When I saw that name, I thought, oh, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if we see C.P. Allen in the, in the tournament final um, again this year. Um, so high school hoops coming up. The playoff structure, in my mind, is always confusing. I always have to go read what the, what the structure is, the, the interlock on the one half of the province, and then they don't do regionals but then they do sectionals and then on the other side of the province there's really Fredericton and and Leo Hayes with Oromocto who's not at all in the same caliber and sorry to the folks from Oromocto but yeah. you probably really should be playing in a different level a different probably should not be a triple-a school yet uh, hopefully you get there someday uh, and then you have what is and I'll say the St. John area and lump Sussex into that 11, 12 teams, something like that, in, in that part of the province um, that duke it out in their sort of round-robin way. And then the crossover in the six-team sectional um, with Fredericton and Leo Hayes uh, to come out of that to go to regionals. It's a, it's a, and that's just AAA. I mean, the double the A and the A have their own sort of little structures uh, around it as well, and it's uh, uh, it's confusing, but it's an exciting time of year. Is it this tournament, and then next weekend we're right in to regionals, sectionals, and then St. John. Yeah, I was disappointed when uh, the NBIA made the decision to only take three teams to the uh, sectional. Um, kids work hard uh, all year, and for a kid to play another game on that weekend... I, in my mind, is a big thing. They've worked probably three years through high school, and uh, I don't know whether it was cost or what the reason was, but uh, I always liked the idea that there was that fourth team. Um, what else is? What else can we fix in basketball at the high school level or lower levels in the province? I know, Gail, you and I have had different conversations on different things. What are some other issues out there um, that maybe need a little bit more exploring? Parents. P parents, for sure. I know uh, we talked uh, a lot about uh, coaches when we had, uh, had uh, Jim Waters um, on uh, a few weeks ago. Um, uh, had a fair bit of talk about coach behavior. And, and uh, Peter, you and I had a brief talk about that in the gym before, before we did this, about... Uh, you know, one of Gail's famous technicals is only technical from, from, what, I, from what I hear and, and how that changed his behavior on the bench. Um, what is it about parents that, uh, that we need to, need to address? I think most of them never played. And that's, that's one of the big things. They, they've never played the game. And if they have played the game, they, they should excuse themselves from all the involvement that they get in because they should know but I think a lot of parents have never played the game and understand, you know, how difficult it is. It's difficult for referees. I mean, refereeing is not easy. I mean, and some referees are good and some are not good. Are we allowed to talk about referees here, Gail? No, there's no <laughs> fines there. <laughs> not for me, anyway. <laughs> the, uh, the, the situation that you see coming out of... Uh, Starting right at U11, specifically, 
and into U14. Uh, parents are being removed from the gyms. And from my perspective, uh, referees shouldn't have to put up with it, and the people in the stands shouldn't have to put up with it. We had a situation here last year on a Friday night, and there was a lot of vocal criticism towards the officials. In the second half, two of our parents, committee members, went over and sat with those people, and there was not another problem. So it, it's like if I, if I can get away with it, and, and the thing I see, and uh, not everyone agrees with me, is if you see the coach uh, chasing the referees all the time, then I think spectators get the impression that they can do the same thing. Yeah. And that's not true, but that, in my mind, is what's happening. And Jimmy Waters, when we talked about that, had the same kind of feeling that coaches need to coach. And if they coach, fans will be more spectators. As Ron says, though, the, the parents don't have an understanding of the game. They're trying to play the game through themselves, and they think that their kid is the best kid on the court. And that's not always the case. How much, Peter, in your experience, does the coach's behavior translate to the team? Does the team pick up on the coach's cues? If the coach is riled up, is the team riled up? If the coach is calm, is the team calm? Is, is that the way it usually goes when you're on the bench? Uh, the kids are pretty smart. They can tell, uh, oh, here he goes again, you know, and just sort of blanket, blanket out most of them. And, uh, uh, but there's a lot of things going on now. I said that the problem with the situation with the stands and so on came in Sussex when we got CBS and everybody watched the pros. Now they're saying, I've never played, but I really know the game. And, whoa. Yeah, I think the pros do not model the behavior that you want, certainly in youth basketball, a lot because there's a lot of complaining to the officials at the pro level, both from coaches and from the players on the floor. And the fans. And the and, fans. And the fans. And fans the fans get too involved in, like, yeah. like Pete just said, on TV, you know, they'll always scan the fan that's going crazy on the, you know, hollering and all that stuff. You know, they don't. It goes back to the old day Bobby Knight's used to, when Bobby Knight was coaching, he used to get upset at ESPN and those places because he said the only thing he ever showed was dunks. They didn't show the guy that made a nice pass or the guy that made a nice, set a nice screen. Or did that? He used to say, and all the kids want to do is dunk because that's all they see on TV. You know, and it's the same thing. But, but going back to your original question about what you think could happen to improve basketball or you know give it more start, from, from this is from a parent who's never been. Well, I guess he was a teacher a long, long time ago, but has never been a teacher like these guys have been, and not involved in the school system. Although I had five children go through it, I see that access to the building is a big thing now that when we go right back to when we started this there was no problem and I, and I don't know if there is a problem now but I hear it that oh gosh people got to rent the gym people got to do this I mean people's taxes pay for these buildings and these and, and they talk about you know we're one of the most unhealthy provinces in, in, in Canada and yet our gyms are closed at times that kids can't get in and use them yeah and I think that's a problem yeah I think it's gym access is certainly a problem in the Fredericton area, I can say that for sure, to try to get gym time, which you do have to book and you do have to pay for it, it, at all levels, you know, the minor basketball and all the other things that use the gyms, it's near impossible to book to book gym time unless you're out in advance. It's not no, like you, there's no just walk in and pick up a ball and shoot. Uh, no, youth, the young no youth league. Yeah. No youth league and any kid that's in school should have to pay to use our facilities. None and their parents shouldn't have to pay. Now look, if you're adults and adults want to go play, that's a whole different ball game. Charge the adults when they want to go to gyms, but no kid should have to pay to play in our school system. That's wrong. That's only my opinion. Yeah, I know. <laughs> no, I agree with her. Yeah, that's a, that's a, it's a great point and you know, improving access and you're bang on about the, the, you know, the physical activity. Um, 
I look at if you know my own view and what's going on at the schools and there's so many new pressures on kids these days um, I didn't grow up with a cell phone but I've got one attached to me all the time now and same as all the kids that I saw in the school out here they've got headphones and cell phones and all of that is part of part of the package today and they're, they're instantly connected um, but I see us doing you know less on the things that really help kids cope and that is the physical education it's more on the art side it's some of those other things that that um, you know have been reduced in the school system at least my perception is that they've been reduced in the school system over time and I think we're paying for that as as a society in general and probably getting too far away from sports uh, talking about the things that I see in life but um, it was just a, a great old great uh, but, it, but it is sport that's you know you want your kids to be active they've yes. got to have access to the building back in you know even when I was in school year the gyms were open you know we'd go in and play basketball you know we'd go in and Know, a bunch of people would go in and one of the teachers would go in with us and yeah, you know, the teacher would be fine. I don't think, in all the years that I was involved, Pete, your kids, Gail, your boy was involved and, and Candace also, there was never any damage done in the school by any of those basketball players or any other no. sport athletes no. that went in. There was never any damage. Never. You know. So, you know, to talk about that. Anyway, that's that's what, that's an area I think really needs to have kids changed over time? Are kids today the same as they were? Everybody shaking their head no? Anybody I'm not. I find, uh, to get right down to them, there's a lot of things that's the same. What they want to do. And, uh, uh, no, I don't, I'm sure, likely a lot of times they've changed because the parents have changed. And, uh, Parents, and I hear it from coaches, you know, parents sitting up there with a stopwatch, timing how many minutes the kid plays and so on. And uh, uh, But I hear the same thing from the teachers at school. The parents are on the phone yeah. immediately. I think uh, when my kids were growing up, they spent a lot more time on outdoor courts or uh, in somebody's backyard uh, every minute that they could get uh, around a hoop. I don't see today's children as much doing that. And one of the things that I think comes into play when we talk about right now is those two years of COVID didn't help anybody. And we're still paying for it. We, we are still paying for it. And I, I was going to mention that. When I look at some of the basketball that I see now, my observation is the kids may be more skilled than I've ever seen them in terms of skills, but they may have less basketball sense than I've seen in quite a number of years. It, it, would you sort of share that same type of observation? Well, I think there's more individualism in everything right now. Yeah. And you just you, you stated it just a bit. Every kid's got their cell phone, they got their headphones on. They're not communicating with the kids around them. And I think you get more individualism. And basketball, even though you need some good individual talent, that's a team sport. And I think you're probably seeing that. A lot of kids with a lot of skill that need to have a driving coach who can pull those kids all together and make them a team. Uh, that's, a, that's a great point. Just we're over the 40-minute mark here, so I do want to do my usual rundown of what's going on in Fredericton area sports. We always finish with what we call sort of the, uh, the quick snapper segment at the end. So I've got a few questions, uh, just random questions uh, to throw out uh, for you to answer. So I'll run through that. We'll get to the quick snappers and uh, uh, we'll, we'll tie it off here. Um, Southern NB Senior Hockey, February 10th, the next game there. So we'll talk about that. Fredericton Red Wings, the second. They're at Campbellton. No home games there. Stu Women's Hockey, they're now dropping in the standings, tied for fourth. Uh, they are versus Mount A versus SNU this weekend, Friday and Saturday at the Grand Harvey. UMB women's uh, hockey um, versus SNU on Friday and versus St. of X on Saturday. Um, that's at the Aiken Center. UMB men's hockey, 26-0. How about that juggernaut that's going on there for, the, for uh, Coach Gardner McNougal? 21 points clear of the second-place team. Like... Really? In, in 28 games, you're 21 points clear of the second-place team. Um, they're, they're on the road um, for three, and then they finish up at home. So they could be their 30-game schedule. So 
there's potential there that they have uh, have a great uh, great season. Uh, Stu women volleyball on the road at Holland at Mount A. That's one of the reasons why I can be here. Um, Stu men volleyball host uh, host February 10th is going to be SJ. So that's next weekend. UMB women's volleyball uh, 10 and 6, third in the conference. Uh, they don't play till the 9th and 10th. Same as UMB men's volleyball. UMB women's basketball 13 and 2, first place. Uh, one game up on St. Mary's, ranked sixth uh, nationally as UMB. Uh, tomorrow night they're at St. Mary's. Uh, that's going to be a heck of a game there, and then they go out Acadia. They, they, that's a pretty tough road trip for the Reds. Uh, if they come out of that still in first place, they're they're looking good as they they finish out their season with three home games. Uh, Peter, I know you'll probably be up to, to some of those uh, throughout February. Like we're we're coming down to the final, you know, five and six games of the season here, which it feels like we just got started in the in the university sports season and we're coming down to the end you and be men they've been on a bit of a skid since uh, since the christmas break they've lost five and seven uh so they're now six and nine of course they'll play at saint mary's at acadia um, this this coming weekend stew men's basketball um gail you were in uh, at mount allison same as i was uh, for the weekend uh, saw the stew women uh they got beat by mount a the stew men won at mount a mount a of course CCA Nationals are there in March. Uh, great place to pick up a win if you're, you know, a first place team like Stu is 11 and one, um, and up to up to third in the country are, are the Tommy Men. They're on the road this weekend, which you know is part of my usual gig is at St. Thomas, so I can be here. They're at UKC uh, and then at, at MSVU, and you can bet MSVU is going to want revenge after that game uh, in Fredericton, where MSVU was one in the country. And the Tommies beat them. That was a tough weekend for um, the Mount, uh, losing at UMBSJ on the Saturday, using, losing at St. Thomas on the Sunday as the number one team in the nation. That's a, that's a pretty tough blow. And they've since fallen right out of the rankings. Crandall is second in the conference and jumped in, uh, I think, 15 nationally there. Uh, Stu women's basketball, four and eight. One game up on UMBSJ, but the Tommies have a game in hand, so they're looking good to get into the playoffs as well. Uh, high School Hoops, which we've been talking about, the Dairytown Classic here. Uh, this is a Thursday. We're recording it Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Uh, February 2nd, James M. Hill at Leo Hayes Girls. That's uh, Seniors Night uh, for there. And then the 9th and 10th, uh, the Regionals, 16th, 17th Sectionals, and 23rd, 24th, the Final 12, which is in St. John. It always breaks my heart to say it's in St. John because it was at the Aiken Center for the longest, longest time. Uh, and that's where I always think of the, the Final 12 should be. Uh, so that's a real quick rundown of Fredericton Area Sports. Uh, as usual, check the podcast website uh, for that. Let's finish off uh, with, with some short snappers. I know we've talked about the best player that's come through um, the Sonic program here. So who's the best player that's not a Sonic that's ever played in the Dairytown Classic? I forget his name, but it'd be the guy from Bathurst Heights. Phil Dixon. Yeah, Phil Dixon. Phil Dixon went played. on to play at University of Utah under Rick Majerus. Wow. Yeah. That, that's uh, that's yeah. impressive. Yeah. Um, There's story to go with that too. Oh, that's well. Let's hear the story. Eric James, Eric James too, who played five years at a or played for Acadia. That's right. He played too. Uh, he was with also came out of that Bathurst Heights. Bathurst school. Heights. I don't know it was the same year. It was a different year. Eric was there. He was no, the same year. Same year, I think. Same year as Phil Dixon. Okay. Yeah. Um, when people saw Bathurst on the schedule, they thought we were talking about <laughs> Bathurst <laughs> in Northern New Brunswick. They were a little surprised when they walked in the gym and saw Bathurst Heights uh, from Ontario, and uh, uh, there was concern that we should change the format of the tournament during the tournament. That Bathurst Heights were so good that we should create an all-star team out of the other teams. So we contacted Ron Hooper, who was playing them next, and said to uh, Ron, uh, you know, what's your feeling? Feeling, he says, I'm getting ready to play them. <laughs> so uh, that ended that conversation. That was a real short conversation, by the way. There were a few people in that situation, just a couple. Yeah. That, the that the team, rest of us didn't have and That any team went on to play in Canada and didn't lose a game in Canada. That year. They, they won. Somehow they had a number one ranking in Canada. They were good. <laughs> wow. Yeah, our, our team you, came to the closest. You guys played in Canada. And, and, and Petticoat, yeah, I played them because they yeah. had Todd Middleton played with them. Yeah. 
and Todd was playing really well. Then and I remember Janie, Mark Fleming, Janie Hooper, wasn't that? Janie Hooper. Janie Hooper was the coach from the from Bathurst Heights, a lady coach, and uh, she I said taught, I, I remember taught, her yeah. saying that Todd and and those, and John and those kids were as tough as any kids that they had to play this that year. So. Um, so Sussex area, obviously known Dairytown. Um, it's one of the most uh, picturesque drives in, uh, particularly in the in the summertime coming coming from Fredericton. And it's great to see that the bridges are finally finally done. It's, uh, still, it's still one lane, <laughs> but the, the new bridges are finally there at Cambridge Narrow. So that, that I was impressed with that uh, coming through. It was the first time I've been Coles there. Island. Coles Island, yeah, not Cambridge Narrow. It's Coles Island. Um, first uh, first time I've got to uh, cross the. Uh, cross the new bridges, um, not drive on those Bailey bridges for the, it feels like <laughs> 10 years. It's not been quite that long, but it feels like uh, feels like that. So that was good. Um, also the gateway to Fundy here in Sussex. Uh, one of the underrated things for me in Sussex is it's a pretty good place if you're into into food and restaurants. Uh, your favorite Sussex restaurants. Let's let's do that as the question. I like going out to Knox Cafe. Yeah, that's on that's on my list. Yeah, taste and see is really good. That's that's I'm always at every pretty much every time through, um, when I'm going to, to you know do some hikes here in the Fundy region or whatever. Taste and see if it's open. If I'm here early enough is on my list. Gail, uh, we probably go to all seasons. Uh, we don't eat eat out a lot, I yeah. guess. So and this summer I went when my when my brothers were home. All my brothers were home, and we went out to Grimendel's. Uh, Germindel's Bavarian restaurant out of Nightville. Now that's, you that's know, it's, great. It's a bit specialty. It's a bit, you know, it's a German restaurant there, but man, they're busy and their food's good. They're, they're booked for the month of February. Yeah, they're closed in January, I, but they're, they're I just. I read last night. Yeah. It, I mean, that's, so there's a top place in there. You'll always see a busy spot there. On the Par restaurant down in Midland, which is not right in Sussex, which is down towards. Yeah. Hampton area. That's yeah. the little restaurant they're open on the weekends. They they have good food there too. Yeah, the, the, this whole general area is because there are so many. I'm a waterfall guy. There's so many great waterfalls down in this area, and so many great. I'm a day hiker, not an overnight, you know, fundy footpath type hiker. That's a little too adventurous for me. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, great golf course. Uh, yeah, there, there's a nice little <laughs> golf golf course uh, down this way as well. Um, most rewarding aspect of being involved in youth basketball? I'd say things that I see now, mentioned about people come back, phone calls I get and so on. I find that very interesting. And you can get your name on a gym. That's right. <laughs> I, I think like Pete just said though, when, when some kid might just say sometime, you know, I love the dairy town. Uh, one of my favorite things was on Dairytown weekend. You know, that makes you feel good that you know something that we started. Well, it's 35th year, but we actually started it in 19, 38, 38 years, years ago, about 35th year of running it. So some of those things, you know, and to see it continue, even after like Gales continue, but I I'm not as involved. You know, I still come once in a while and stuff like that. But to see all the people that have helped right from the beginning, you know, and to see it continue, like. We still have milk as a sponsor, you know. Pizza Light's still involved. I mean, I mean, how how many corporations stay with a a tournament for 38 years? I mean, that's pretty special. It, it tells you you're doing something right. It tells you you're doing something right. And not only not only that though, other tournaments have taken our format, not our format, the format we came up with. Gary Nixon, who was from up Carlton North, Carlton North, they got a hold of him because he was on our committee. Yeah and asked him to come up and talk to them about our format. So the, the Potato Barrel Classic was sort of, came out of, you know, our organization. So those are great things. When you see those things, it makes you feel good. I think to be able to, uh, being that hockey guy, being able to learn the uh, game of basketball a little bit and uh, seeing, your, seeing your kids uh, be able to play here, be able to play uh, whether it be in Fredericton or Acadia, and then to be lucky enough to have my uh, granddaughter uh, playing at the collegiate level is, uh, for me, very rewarding and only happens because of the programs that we have here and the coaches that we have that uh, you're able to see this. And uh, I'm sure they'll look back on it in a number of years and think, you know, how great it was. Um, 
it's just it it's for my experience like my kids said to me this fall dad i thought you gave the program up and i said well if i don't do it what am i going to do so yes it takes a lot of time but i have some fun with it emphasize some uh but other than that like uh everybody right from the very beginning whatever committee you were on you were responsible for that committee and when you made your report we expected it to be done and when tournament time came to set up the same story like we had a new sponsor come on this year we, we always had rubber mats around the gym and besides stinking uh, they were hard to keep the water off of Unifirst came on board uh, this year and have sponsored mats for all the way around the gym, the hallways, and the custodians like are thanking us over and over because it's made their work a lot easier. I give you just a little. This is a little dig, maybe a little bit. My my son played four years at Derrytown. He was a golfer. I don't know if you've known the golf industry anyway. Ron was a very good golfer and went on to Brigham Young University and was an All-American at BYU. But when he would call home, he would never talk about golf. It was always. When's Dairytown? Because that was my favorite time of all school, and he still talks when he calls. He was just home from from Asia, and he talked, Dad, when's Dairytown? I, and he went back to 20th. He said, dang it, I just missed it. I wish I had to come for Dairytown. <laughs> so that's what Dairytown meant to those kids, and I still talk to kids that were back and that came to those games back in those days, and it really it meant a lot to them. So I think that means a lot to, to us when we see that carried on. And, and a lot of them are coaching involved in, there, our, in the minor program, in the minor program we yeah. have here. So. One, one of the other uh, stories might be off topic, but the year we had the big snowstorm <laughs> and we were here until Tuesday and the storm started early, uh, two or three of us slept upstairs in the staff room here uh, for, to make sure the gym would be open that morning. Once the teams were here, we were always going to play. And then uh, the marsh got blocked, and Steve Chapman was here that year. Well, Steve was here until Tuesday. <laughs> His kids practiced a lot, but they ate more pizza than I think Pizza Delight <laughs> could provide because Ronnie was always coming up uh, with a load of pizza for them. But uh, Steve will talk about that one. Anytime you're talking to him, uh, I'm going to have to ask Steve about that one about uh, about the, the his stay in Sussex. All right, I'll have to mention too the get a note today from Aaron's one. She said, she said, Dairytown week, best week of the year. We woke up at 5:30 that morning with E.J. Cunningham plowing the driveway. Pete and I were upstairs sleeping in the because we both live out in Piccadilly and the road was blocked. We couldn't get home. And the five thirty, the beep 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 in the morning woke up. <laughs> <laughs> five thirty. Yeah. The other thing that uh, Pete and I ran for a number of years was team camp, and that was an opportunity for the teams to come in for three days. And it wasn't until we hit the idea that we had accommodations up at uh, Bethany at the time, Kingswood now, and uh, I still run into people saying. Uh, Whatever happened to the camp, we certainly enjoyed that camp. And uh, uh, I don't know, we ran it probably up to 12 years. And it's just keeping the thing going and enjoying it. All right, last question is this. Uh, best gym to watch basketball in, but not this one. Any gym other than Sussex, you can watch a basketball game in. Where are you going? All of my kids, uh, both kids and, and uh, granddaughter, like the pit. I would say back in the day, you know, we used to go up and watch Nut Brown play and those guys play when the UNB used to always have a Christmas tournament back when I was a young guy and we always went to the pit. And watched okay. it. And I played in the pit a few times. I played it in a few times. Yeah, I know, me too. Yeah, and the floor is beautiful, beautiful floor to play on. And I liked it because the first couple of years I wasn't getting a lot of floor time. So I'd be sitting on the bench and all my buddies might have had a, a 
cocktail or two up on the <laughs> up on the ledge there. Put him in. Put Macalina in. I just go. Come on, boys, keep it going. So uh, same same question to you, Peter. Uh, we'll get out get out on that question. Your favorite gym to go uh, watch a game in. Is it the pit? Yeah. It's the pit? By far. All, all the way around the pit. That's, yeah, uh, that, that's amazing, which makes me feel incredibly privileged because I've got the best seat in the house uh, with my, uh, my Tommy webcast. Um, yeah, pretty great way to, to end this one. So I, I thank you all for joining me. This will get uh, you know, posted uh, probably later tonight, uh, and uh, folks will be able to, to uh, listen along then. Uh, we'll get out of here with an ad, and we'll tear it out, and we'll get over to the gym for some uh, great high school basketball action here. Thank you again uh, for joining us and uh, come on back to Late Scratches uh, next time. Late Scratches is the podcast that sports fans are talking about in the greater Fredericton area. Stories, features, and special guests are filling the gap for what's happening in your favorite sport around the region. If you want to advertise in this medium, now's your chance. You can sponsor a show or have a 15-second commercial on Late Scratches, your stop for Fredericton and area sports stories. Email latescratches at outlook.com for details.